Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Blue Abroad YouTube channel. But welcome to the first episode of The Rest. I'm your host, Ari Stamatakos, and first guest is the one and only Terry Ligani. Terry, how are you? Mate, excited. New beginnings. New here, chapters here. are starting to be written. This is what it's all about. Here we go. So basically, this show is a week, going to be weekly, and it's just going to be documenting what's happening throughout the rest of the league because obviously it's very it's a Carlton channel, so there might be a little little bit of not not really understanding what's going on with the rest of the league, but this show is aiming to update you and get the understanding going of where the rest of the league sits and where other teams sit and what's happening when Carlton aren't playing throughout, throughout the weekend. So I think the best place to start is the opening game. And before we speak about the what actually happened in the game, I want to get I want to just ask you two questions, two quick quick questions. All right. Wednesday night football, yes or no? I say yes, and the reason why I say yes is because I'm a really big fan of spreading it out so we don't have any crossover games on the Saturday because I don't enjoy having to pick one of the two games. I like it that it's all spread out, but I'm just very much like I love the footy, so I'm yeah. happy with it. Uh, I'm, I have to disagree, to be honest. Okay. I think I'm not even a massive fan of Thursday night footy. I, I really like the Friday and then like the five games over the Saturday where you just like, it's just footy like all the time from like one o'clock to like 10.30 at night. It's just footy on constantly. And then obviously the three games on a Sunday. But yeah. I don't, I don't think it's, do you think it's good for the league? Because there was only 53,000 there. I think it's, I think it's essential for the league because from a commercial point of view, trying to grow the game as well. Um, you give two teams their standalone evening, you know, two two nights of the week, or you know, in this case, three. I I, I think it's important. I think also when you talk about like international exposure, uh, I think yeah. it uh, I think it helps. Um, I don't know. I, I get the traditionalist argument. I do. You know, it's a weekend of footy, um, but you know, the league has to be has to be creative. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we saw that with Thursday night footy. I mean, no one. It wasn't really a thing, like um, apart from the the round one where that's been a tradition. It's only really came into its own in the last couple of years. Do you see Wednesday night footy being a thing in the near future? I, I don't ever, th I don't ever see it being a thing like every week. I yeah. see it being a thing when it's needed. You know, like yeah, I don't know if there's a special public holiday weekend type thing. I think um, I don't know if it's something you can you should be doing every week. Um, also, I don't know exactly what the revenue benefit is if it really is such a benefit for the league. Um, but I will say this: I was there on Wednesday, and I was bitterly disappointed that there was not yeah, was... you know eighty thousand people there, and it just kind of goes, yeah. just goes to show. I know this show is called the rest, so this is the Carlton side of things with the rest of the league, yeah. and we'll just call them the rest. But yeah, I mean, from a from an attendance point of view, it might be a deeper issue though, you know, because why aren't people coming to the footy? Is it because we're so yeah. used to what's happened over the last two years? Have our behaviours changed? Are we used to being at home? There's been a bit of a COVID rise in cases over the last week or so. Um, I think, you know, parking at the MCG, there's a, there's a few things that went on. Yeah, I think, especially when you compare it to the night after which was mm. 70 oh. 73 but it was 73 which sounded like 150,000 yeah. so maybe I, I do think once we start what if it becomes a permanent thing or not permanent like semi-permanent thing 
I feel like the crowds will start to like flood in a little bit more. Do you also think COVID still has something to do with it? As if so. like there's like a little bit of angst still around it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, man, our behaviors have been changed for the last two years. We're just used to being at home. So I think there might take a little bit of time for the crowds to just reach full capacity like maybe yeah. they were before COVID. But I do think in time they will rise. I also think like the Melbourne culture has now just had this injection of energy. So it'll be interesting to see over the next few weeks. What I'm a little bit fearful of is like, you know, what happens now if a player gets it or whatnot and missing games. I'm, I'm really mindful of that. Like on our, you know, in our situation, Jack Martin, Michael Voss, fingers crossed nobody else. But I don't like that we're still kind of tied to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll speak about Voss and Martin a bit later. But yeah, do you, when do you, do you see like personally when I think of Wednesday night? Yeah, I think of maybe not Wednesday night footy, but the crowd slowly coming back. Mm. I I feel that it needs to be four, five, six rounds of non-interrupted full capacity footy without many COVID scares mm. before they start coming, like they start flooding in. So I think around about round ten. Ish, mm. maybe by the bye, we'll start seeing proper crowds back at the footy. Do you still yeah. do you have that same mindset? I hope so. I think I, I hope so. Yeah, I, I, like I agree, and and I hope that's true. I hope that yeah. it's not like you know the next strain, winter, flu yeah. season comes back. I, I don't know. There's, there's just so much unknown. I think that's why you just need to live in the moment. You know, it's yeah looking so far ahead. It's yeah. I imagine if we, if we're good and if there are crowds every week, they will rise. Um, because it's just a good time to go to the footy, a good thing to do with the family or whoever. But, yeah, it's just a big unknown. Yeah, I think another reason, I think this segues on to the next talking point, why the crowd was a little bit more disappointing was because it was the grand final rematch and people thought that it'd be 70,000, 80,000. Does round one and does the opening game need that fixture? What it needs is two clubs playing that are not, you know, plastic, fake. Yeah. You know, they need two real clubs. And that's why yeah. Richmond and Carlton have been. Yeah. I actually think having the Melbourne Doggies game has reminded the rest why Carlton and Richmond kick things off because yeah. we bring in the crowd. We bring in the energy to the city. Yes, all right, Richmond have been beating us a lot. And, you know, but soon people are going to want to remove Carlton from round one because it's going to be too easy for us as well, you know? Yeah, so, I can't wait for that. Oh, mate, you know, we are the AFL, so yeah. the rest need to just deal with that. <laughs> yeah, so and we, we saw because, yeah, the, the days who have come off a drought similar to ours in terms of grand finals and then th- their grand final pretty much got 50,000, which would, would barely feels bloody Marvel. So that, that, that shocked me. Can you believe that? You win a granny and you have 58,000 people in round one. Like you win a granny in Perth, you come back to Melbourne and 58,000 people show up. I, I yeah, look, I, I get where the criticism of the, the Wednesday night game has come from, from that point of view. Um, I still think it is an important fixture. You just got to get it right. But like, how do you know? How do you know? Yeah, it's yeah. trial and error. Mm-hmm. It is. It always is. It yeah. always is. And the AFL never look back. They only predict forward. Oh, uh, yeah. Of course. Do you, do you think if personally my thought process was if Carlton Richmond was on a Thursday night, I would expect similar crowd to what we got on Thursday. You know what? I'll be honest. When I saw 72, I was like, 
yes, a, little dis- yes, a, li- a little bit of me was like, come on now. We yeah. need to be breaking the records. You know, we need to be yes. getting in the 90s and hopefully that'll come if, you know, yeah. they're good. A lot of people on our side are like, you know, they wanted to see them beat Richmond before they jump on board. So we'll yeah, see if I- uh, that brings people... It was also, let's not remember, a, let's not forget even, a game between a, two teams that finished 12th and 13th or 11th yeah. and 12th. Whereas first and second, one of the best grand finals and one of the most entertaining grand finals, especially for that first three quarters, Yeah, to get 58,000 or 53,000, whatever it was. Now, what were your thoughts on the game itself rather than the whole spectacle of it? What did you think about the two teams and Mate. et cetera? That first quarter, I thought Melbourne were an eight-goal better team and yeah. they just didn't capitalise on their chances. They looked crazy good, crazy good in that first quarter. The Dogs just could not get their hands on the footy and when they did, they didn't use it anywhere near as well as what the Ds did. They were so, they're so impressive. I'm, I'm yeah. a big fan of, of the Melbourne Footy Club and how they play and how they yeah. just connected. They know where their next player will be. Yeah, so this it's, is the, it's, yeah it's yeah, so exciting. This mm. unison and cohesion, which I think they, which built like off the flag, like off the flag success. I think they're only going to get better because they've got their game plan sorted, and it's just that unity that they're going to kick on with. And I, I don't see anyone, especially early on, stopping them. I think they're going to go on a similar run like what they did last year. Well, yeah. is that? Do you say that as well? Yeah, I mean, you look at them. They just they added Ben Brown last year. I think he just looked a lot more comfortable. Yeah, um, I left the game thinking, wow, Ben Brown can do some serious damage in the Coleman this year with the supply that they oh, have because yeah. they get the ball in space and yeah. move it so well, you know. So, you know, the dogs did obviously get get ahead. Uh, I actually found myself looking at the game and wondering, like, how are the Western Bulldogs in this game? I didn't understand how it was happening. I mean, it, Norton it was, had a pretty good second, but yeah. It was very similar to the grand final. Yeah. Like eerily similar. And it was, yep. it was this thing of... All of a sudden, within 10 minutes, the dogs have kicked five goals or whatever it was. And yeah. Norton's on a mark. He kicked a couple and then they're in front. And they held on to, to that lead. Maybe not the lead itself, but that kind of dominance for a while. But then, I mean, this is probably the biggest talking point. Christian Petrarca just took over the game. And he, Wines may have Charlie, but Christian Petrarca is the best player in the comp for me. Couldn't agree more. He's absolutely the best player in the comp. Yeah, the things he can do. And he's kind of got this, he kind of lurks and then he just pounces and he just knows when to pounce every time. Yeah, very intelligent, very intelligent footballer. And we see that with, because he's obviously built like a beast, like he's got this power, freaky strength, Mm. really quick, especially over five metres. That normally comes without the football IQ as well. You normally Mm -hmm. have one or the other whereas he's somehow got both. And he's still relatively young. He's got some years years on his side. He could be scary in the the near future, especially if the Ds continue this run that they're on. Yeah, there's this other notion about him. I don't know if there's any Melbourne supporters watching, but obviously he, he had done an ACL early in his career. Yeah. Always wonder in retrospect if that is almost not a benefit. You never want to do an ACL, but... yeah. I feel like it humbles a player, brings them right back down to the beginning and they've got to build themselves up from scratch and they learn the process and they learn to have to deal with the process. And I wonder 
what that did to Adelaide's mental strength to him early in his yeah. career, heartbreak, real heartbreak, and just seems to be a player full of confidence. And then now you add the flag and the Norm Smith and you add all of these elements and the confidence, you know, he's provided he's healthy. He's, he's as good as we have in the league. Oh uh, yeah. And it, it's that character building that yep. ACL early, especially when you're a high draft pick. Yeah. It's this, you ride on a high for as soon as you, as soon as you're in the league. Yep. And you normally see like players who are picked up. I mean, we say it with like Cade Simpson, right? He was in the big set sixties or whatever it was. And he turned out to be one of the best players over the 15 years for the club because yeah. he, he had to work from day one. Whereas we've seen some high draft picks, which we won't name, but <laughs> who we don't, who don't necessarily have that, have that drive to, kind of stick it up some people. They just kind of think that's it, that it's expected of them. And mm -hmm. for him to be so good and still have that drive is really like, it just shows how good of a character he is. 100%. 100%. What were your, now moving from the days to the dogs, we obviously play them next week. Are you worried at all or not? They're fractured. They're fractured. Negative energy from Bevo, like having to, you know, retract it and apologize. And then, you know, the Tom Morris thing comes up. The timing's really weird. I'm sensing bad energy from the Western Bulldogs and I'm sensing a disconnect. And I'm just curious to know if it's a situation not so different to Adelaide and they lost the granny. I know they had the camp. So it yeah. was kind of like the camp may maybe was the, the thing that fractured them. Um, but it's not uncommon when you lose a granny the way that they were really good in that granny. And I wonder what the oh, confidence yeah. of the total group is knowing that they were at their best grand final day and still got beaten soundly. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just mindful. I'm, I'm confident. And I know we match up well against them as well. I know last year we, we shut the bed and that's exactly what happened <laughs> up by 28 and three quarter time. But we do play well against them. Yeah, even when we were rubbish in like 2018, yeah. 2017, we still gave them a game. And it was, I think, like you said, they were at their best in their grand final and they still couldn't win. And couple that with the, they had a second chance at them and they still couldn't win. They, they've got this mental hurdle, which I don't think that they've jumped over quite yet. Yeah. And it'd be typical Carlton for, for us to give them so much confidence we, we we let them win by 10 goals and then their season skyrocks from here. But hopefully, hopefully yeah. not. Hopefully that's a Michael Voss's change that, that culture around. Yeah. Well, man, we've got the big boys who didn't really fire much in round one. It was more exactly. about bringing the ball to ground for the smalls. And, you know, now we've got Harry and Charlie in the side and they have both traditionally, you know, really challenged the dogs. Charlie's yeah. had his best game of his career against them. Harry's also had one, yeah. if not the best career game for him against the yeah. dogs and i mean they got keith that next back is a bit of an issue for them or it was a bit of an issue for them keith was getting pretty well beaten by by ben brown on wednesday you know next yeah. week it's harry mckay or charlie whoever it is so i would expect our our big men to to get to get up and about for that yeah. game and then really trouble them stretch them i look to the midfield personally i'd right. say that i say that bont trelaw Libba, Smith, that like theirs, and then ours, who's dominated the Tigers. That's what won us the game. Our midfield, especially the centre clearances, we killed mm -hmm. them. So, especially considering how much our midfielders hit the scoreboard, like Chara kicked one, Kennedy kicked one, Hewitt kicked one, 
Coops kicked three. Like our midfielders got on the scoreboard. O'Brien kicked one as well. So if we can challenge them defensively, that that could potentially potentially couple the pressure and really just add that uncertainty to their game plan. Mate, I think it's going to be a really entertaining game because we oh, both yeah. want to play the same way. We want to handball the way, our way through yeah. through trouble and and run. I think it's going to be a big spectacle. And, and I will say this: there better be a full capacity next Thursday. Oh it's yeah, like, 50, there's no 55. excuse. There's yeah. no excuse because it's we now well, obviously the Carl fans will, will bring as all of us if we could, yes. right? And the doggies fans, it's their home game. It's their home ground, really. I would say as well. They're not a real club, though. That's the problem. Yeah, like no one's a real club compared to us. <laughs> They're not so a real club. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I mean, the cheese squad on Wednesday were barely there. There were just holes at the MCG. It was crazy. Yeah, it was. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird. I, I thought they'd fill it out more, especially yeah. the active support, if you could call it that. Absolutely. But um, yeah, you'd want 50, 50 plus at Marvel on Thursday, surely. Bring the noise. I'm so oh, excited. I'm so excited. Mate, imagine two and I. Imagine. Oh. All right. <laughs> Relax. Um, so we'll move on to that, but stay on topic a little bit. We'll talk about the, the the events that perhaps overshadowed the actual game. Yeah. The press conference. Now, what were your immediate or what was your immediate reaction to the press conference itself? My immediate reaction was Wow. Yes. Yeah, like, wow. Because <laughs> obviously, I, you know, there's the, the the infamous Mick Malthouse press conferences. And in, at the start, I'm kind of ranking them against it and seeing was it as oh. bad as that. It was pretty – he went deep and he kept oh, going. Yeah. yeah, he didn't stop. Yeah. And for me, it just shows a guy that's cracked under pressure of something, you know, and he's yeah. let his emotions slip in. And I'm thinking it's, it's round one. Like, all right, you, you're a bit pissed off at Tom Morris – the story was right. It wasn't a wrong story. So that's what leads me to believe there's something else going on with the doggies, you know? But yeah, you can't be doing that. You just it's it's tough. It's a tough caper and keeping your emotions in check is also difficult. He's a human being. We're 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 not perfect. We all have our faults. And it was just Bevo's moment to lose his cool and let the emotions get in. Yeah, I was I was listening to it with my jaw dropped. I was like, what on earth? Because there hasn't really been – I think you see it a lot more in soccer with these coaches or players going after journos. But seeing it here and seeing it especially so early on in the season was really yeah. surprising. And, like, I'm still kind of speechless. I still don't really have a clear opinion on it because it's just so – like, was Morris in the right in terms of reporting Lockie Hunter and then even in the grand final with Alex Keith or then was – I think Bevo was entitled to have a little bit of a dig, not to the extent that he went to, but to, to at least stand his ground and say what he thought about what Tom Morris did. Do you, I mean, do you think I think that's, that's something he picks up the phone, calls Tom and says, listen, Tom, yeah, next time you get some sort of information, give me a buzz, confirm it with me, you know, don't play game. Or, you know, if he felt like Tom owed him the, the phone call or the message, I don't know if Tom Morris owes... Bevo or the Western Bulldogs a phone call to say, I've got this information and I'm running with it. Yeah, it's the nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it, look, if it's wrong and if the rumor was wrong, then fair enough. Oh, yeah. not, 
you know, maybe not go as deep as what he did, but absolutely yeah. let him have, have it in some way. But like he's done his job. He the report was right. It was correct. Yeah. And you know, they got caught out whether it was they were lying, whether they were playing games. Maybe it was a little thing where he was just trying to motivate Lockie Hunter by scaring him a little bit with being dropped, and maybe that sort of information leaked out and Tom went for it. who who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, it's not it's not ideal. It's yeah. not ideal. I think it comes down to like journalism ethics type thing where yeah. he, he mentioned I think he mentioned Daniel Cherney and Riley Beveridge who do con if they find something out they contact the club and they yeah. make sure I think it's it comes down to different people because what he what Thomas did wasn't wrong mm. in terms of like what he reported wasn't wrong and what he did wasn't against maybe it was against like a gentleman's code but yeah. then again what is that type of thing man it's a it's a deep dark world out here and there are dogs and there are animals and they're wanting to get theirs and some people have different thresholds for what's the right thing to do and that's kind of how i see it and ultimately that's why riley beverage and, and those guys that's why they're more respected because yeah they have they do what you know sometimes doing the right thing is the right thing and sometimes uh, it can take a little bit longer to grow because of that and be successful but you know I guess the next part is what happened 24 hours later, you know, it's just become something yeah. totally different. Yeah. Well, that is a completely different conversation, which is completely unacceptable what he did. Yeah. And what, yeah. That was, that was shocking. Like yeah. both in, both in the release of it and the reaction and both what was said. Yeah. I was stunned at the timing. It just, it seemed crazy. I mean, call me a conspiracy theorist, but the timing is way too weird, man. It's yeah, way it's... too weird. And I mean, I don't know, like, are the doggies trying, like, did they find that information and leak it? Did they have it already? And they waited for their time. Really strange, yeah. really strange um, situation, you know, not taking it's... away from the fact that it did happen and it was wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it's a deep, it's a deeper conversation about um, behaviors. You know, we're in a, we're in this age, we're in this part of, you know, the history of the universe now where we're going through this like social correction of what used to be acceptable and, yeah. and what is no longer going to be acceptable moving forward. And I think this falls into that category of what it is and like it or not, the reality is it's being shown and broadcasted, which I think good will come of it. Um, yeah. I think the exposing of that behavior is important for it yeah. to change, you know, you know, so, you know, and I, I mean, I expect Tom Morris to come back from it much better and learn. I think he's a pretty good professional at yeah. the end of the day and good at his job. Um, maybe as a person, he's got some things that, you know, he needs to tie it out, but you know what? So do we, so does everyone yeah. else, you know, it just so happens that this was broadcasted to the country or the world, whatever. Yeah, it was, it was because there was, there's a lot of been, there's been a lot spoken about him as a person, especially yeah. by like in the in going back as far as as many years back, and for it to, I was always a skeptic of what the perception of him was. I didn't really yeah. think of him much more than a journo who did his job, pissed some people off, but then again, who doesn't type thing. Mm -hmm. But for that to come out, do you think it shows his true colors as a person? Because yeah, I mean. Because it, it was said in private, so it's not like he... Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course it does. And I think for Tom, it's just the the big smack in the face moment. Oh, One yeah. of many that we all get in our lives, that big 
fuck, okay, that needs to change. And in a way, I think Tom Morris eventually, we still have to have months, if not a year, I guess, you know, of of real reflection. And he needs to, when he gets back into the game, however he does, he needs to, um, you know, drive the standards for better. I think that's an important role that he will eventually take on and, you know, in a decade from now, it won't be as big of a story as what it is in this moment, um, you know. But it also goes wider than that because let's have the conversation about the way we talk about women and just people. Forget about yeah. you know this was this was about a woman, but just people and the way we talk about people to people. It's it's a you know there's a little bit of that in all of us. I think I think we can all be a little nasty and a little uh, inappropriate at times, you know? So learning learning off this situation is is, is the cr- most crucial element for me. Yeah, I think, yeah, well said. And th- there was a innocent victim in this who yeah. was completely blindsided, which is the worst thing to come from it, is that yeah. someone who didn't know what was going on has been smacked in the face by it. Yeah. I think the big challenge here is how how much do we focus on punishing Tom and how much do we balance that punishment with, you know, rehabilitating him and making sure that, you know, he doesn't do it again and and he's better from it, you know, it's a fine line. Yeah. It's also about denouncing his actions and really making a point of this was horrendous and even, and you have to call it out. You have to call it out regardless of where it is, when it's said, why it's said. It's unacceptable in any platform. It's unacceptable. So I think for me, the more we denounce it and the more we try and learn from it, the better we will come out of this. Because if you can sit here and call Tom a dickhead or whatever and start abusing him, but at the end of the day, what's that ultimately going to accomplish? Whereas Mm -hmm. if we really learn from it, denounce his actions and rehabilitate as a society, we're going to get a lot more from that in the long run. For sure. And it's the doing. It's not the yeah. posting and the tweeting and the because a lot of this world that we live in is oh, if you don't post this, you don't do it. Like whatever happens on and whatever everyone presents of themselves on social media is is irrelevant if the actions don't match. So oh, yeah. it is about the actions changing, you know. And yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's just I just see evolution in so many ways. Things are just evolving. The way we talk about certain topics, the way we label certain things, the words we use. Uh, you know the you know i think what we're trying to deal with now is you know the treatment of 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 women um, you know in, in this situation you know homosexuals it doesn't you know whatever gender yeah. is what matters is is making sure we, no, we do, don't yeah. yeah make sure we do it right making sure yeah. we we don't discriminate um and that that's a real deeply rooted issue into our being into our oh, yeah. minds, into the way we think. You know, that takes time. It takes a lot of time to to rectify. Are we getting better? I think so. Do oh, we yeah. have a long way to go? 100%. Absolutely. So, you know, it's just the history of time. You know, we're, we've, we've got to just continue to get better. Yeah, perfectly said. And obviously, like, actions speak louder than words. So yeah. we can say, we can tweet, we can put Instagram posts up however mm. much we want, but it's all about doing it and making yeah. sure that we act in an appropriate manner. Yeah. Now, moving on to something light, some lighter things. Yeah. Lance Franklin nearly kicked the thousand, or he kicked one. It was never happening. 
Really? It's never happened. Mate, he's playing on Phil Davis. Phil Davis ain't given up five goals to Buddy. I I, I it was yeah. I found it amazing because it was such a build up and yeah, in yeah. my head I had a look and I was just wondering, is Davis gonna play? Because as long as Davis is playing, he ain't kicking five. Um, it would have been great if he did though. It would. It would. I, I don't know when it's gonna happen, but it will happen. It will definitely I, happen. I think it'll happen next week, to be honest. Against the Cats? At the SCG, I just think it's set up. Like, my thought process was he's either going to come out and kick five in the first quarter and just rip yeah. the game apart because he's that good, or he'll do it on the big stage, SCG, where there's mm. where people are expecting it to happen as well. I don't think the consensus around the AFL community was it'll happen against the Cats. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think... If I had to guess, I think it'll happen in round three, which will be a logistical challenge for the AFL because that Marvel, yeah, uh, they're playing where are they playing the doggies on Thursday night, and I think it'll happen then for some reason. I just yeah. well, who'll kick a couple against the doggies regardless? Yeah, but can you imagine, like from the AFL's point of view, they need to be prepared. That every game they need to be prepared yeah. for it to happen logistically, making sure everything's in yeah. place and. There's a lot that goes on to run the league, you know. There's a yeah. lot, so they'd want it done. Kind of, yeah, you just get it over and they'd done. They want it done, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I did like. I must say, I did like that the umpires didn't look to pay him free kicks when he played. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. That he his only goal was from a free kick, but under yeah, they didn't. There was a couple which most people would have given it just because mm-hmm. just because of the circumstances, but they they did well to adjudicate it down the line and. Not, yeah, man. Not favoritise, which you want to say. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 And it was a good game. Actually, I watched that game. It was a good game of footy. Tough yeah. game of football. Yeah, really, yeah. I think Sydney Derbies have always been, obviously, there was one last year that went down to the wire. They're starting to become really intense games, and that rivalry is really starting to to be what the AFL wanted it to be from day one. Yeah, man. I, I was just impressed. There's just young kids coming through. Tom Green. Yeah. Oh, oh unreal. That giant side, I mean, scattered with unbelievable kids, and they just keep they keep finding them. Like you had that first wave of Whitfield, Kelly, Canelio, yeah, and then now it's Tom Green, Lockie Ash, all these kids who are just ripping it apart. It's yeah. If only Carlton had that development skills, but anyway, mate, if we I do. Wish. Don't worry about that. It's it's here now. Got bossy. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fix it all. Um, Again, two two questions, and I'm pretty sure the answer is obvious for both. Will we see another player kick a thousand goals ever again? I think so. Really? I do. I tell you I what. Don't. I think the rules of the game slightly change every little bit every year. Yeah. And I think eventually they're going to be able to open the game up, and I think there will become a freak of nature who comes along, a generational guy who comes along. Yeah. and Charlie Kerner, and, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we, we, the hope is that he's oh, a Carlton player. That's the hope. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. hope, you know. But I do, I mean, I know right now, right this second, it doesn't look likely. You know, no, a no guy chance. would have to average, what is it, four and a half, five goals a game almost. But so, I, I yeah. do think, you know, whether it's now or whether it's in five years or 10 or 20, because I think like the human, you think of the NBA, for example, like, like Giannis is Shaq. But a guard, you know, like it just these athletes and the human evolves over time and it becomes a little bit more athletic than the generation before it. And there's always advances in medicine and science and 
and and and yeah. whatnot. Like right now, we're going through this wave of tall, mid, like Midfield. big midfielders, and yeah, like and even the ruckman, they're agile. Yeah, like Patrick you know? Cripps twenty years yep. ago would be a full forward. He's yes. taller than Matthew Lloyd. Yes, and he's a he's not even considered a, a a freak of nature in the midfield. Like he's he's considered a tall, built midfielder. But yeah. it's not like he's out of this world. He's not abnormal for a midfielder. Yeah. He's taller than one of the best full forwards yeah. we've seen, in, especially in the recent times. Yeah, man. So if if one player playing today was going to do it, who? I, I, who was going to kick a thousand or a hundred? Thousand. If if say oh. say say from the start of their career. So from what we know of every player in the competition right now. From the start of their career, who would they? Who would? I don't it? think we've met that player yet. I don't think the player has debuted. If that makes sense, as yeah. in I don't, I, I, I don't think it'll be a, in this particular, yeah. let's say five bra- five year bracket generation. Yeah. I don't think we've met the player yet. I don't know why. I just, I think yeah. there's something coming. There's something coming. The wave of midfielders is kind of now. There's another wave of forwards that's starting to emerge and bubble. You know the Mackays, yeah. the, the Nortons, and um, and whatnot. I, I don't know if any of them could do it. Harry's got a pretty good goal per game average. Yeah, but, I don't but know he's yeah. I don't know. No, I, I, don't I don't think so. And it's also about game style because in yeah. like the nineties and the eighties, it was get the ball to Dunstall, get the ball to Ablett, get the ball yeah. to Lockett. Whereas now it's you can't just kick it to Charlie or kick it to Harry yeah. or wherever. Like it, completely different game. And Buddy has managed to evolve his game to dominate in two eras. Because even in like two thousand eight, oh nine, it was a different game to now. Even in such a small period of time. So, I mean, he has to be like applauded for that for just like evolving his game with the times and with age as well and with pressure because he went up for ten million bucks and as. Granted, didn't hasn't delivered a premiership, but he's done some good things. I think so. Yeah, I guess I'd, I'd love to know what the Sydney supporters think about it. Oh yeah, that that's I mean, that's the barometer for it. Yeah, I mean, they won a flag. They've been very, very. They won the flag with Buddy. No, no, they didn't win the flag with Buddy. No, they lost in fourteen and sixteen. That's right. That's right. So. I mean, but they've been such a good team throughout the yeah, whole that, time. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to grade it. Would I be happy? Would you be happy with that if it was a Carlton? If that was the Carlton situation, it's kind of like Judd, no? Like, as in the best yeah, player. Yeah, but Judd, Judd was different because they made. Well, firstly, Sydney had won two grand finals. Well, they won in 05 in twenty twelve. They've made two grand finals, whereas before Judd Carlton was shit, and then after Judd we were shit. So. And even during Judd, we were shit. So you can't really compare it. <laughs> like we were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, uh, man. And I, I I, didn't even know what was going on. I was I, I was like six years old when he came. I think he came in yeah. 08, 09. Yeah. I was five. I thought, oh, who's this bald, bald-headed guy that's dominating? Uh, and my dad was like, we're, we're going to be premierships. I was like, yeah, sure. Sure we are. Such a good year when he arrived. Life was so good. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, moving on to the game before it, and I think we've seen the best debut potentially ever in Nick Martin. I don't know who that kid was. Never no, heard no, of him. I, same. Did not know at all who he was. I did. It was five goals, twenty-seven touches. What more can you say? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't, 
Do you know any Essendon supporters who spoke about him? Because no. I don't. Like none of my Essendon friends who I spoke to really mentioned him in that kind of light. You no, know, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. So I, I had I knew Essendon supporters who were going spastic when he kicked his first goal, yeah. and was like, "Oh, that's sweet for him now." Like he kicked a goal. That's his good. That's a good debut. But that's genuinely one of the best debuts I think ever. Like it is, yeah. It's impressive. Like, it's it's what twenty seven and five. They got belted as well, which was good to watch. Um, oh yeah, that's great. You know, it's not like they had ultimate supply down forward as well. He really earned it. Yeah, granted, it was he kicked I think three in the last, so junk time goals. But you take what you can get. Of so, course. Nah, they'd be stoked. The Bombers would be oh, stoked. Yeah. That. Stoked. It's probably the only the only highlight for them again in, in that game. What a weak <laughs> performance to put on for your your people who come and watch you play. Round one. Like cause mate, you know me. I'm a big advocate of round one. You set the tone. Yeah. Yes, it's not the end of the world. I'm sure the team teams have gone on to win flags after losing round one. I'm sure it's happened, but for you know, up and coming teams, and the Bombers are an up and coming team. They are. Yep. They're not a top four side, but they're also not a bottom four, bottom six side. I don't know. Maybe they are now. But Hopefully. to put that on, I'm very curious to see what it does for the confidence of the game plan and whatever's going on, and if it's like a season ending loss. Because I know from us, when Richmond have belted us in the past, it's kind of like, well, they never just... belted us like that though. I think not 20... like that. 2017 yeah. was the only year. Where yeah. Dusty had, where Dusty went ballistic. That was yeah. the only year where we had no chance from the first bounce. Yep. Every other year, we've mounted some form of comeback, whereas they looked no chance from the start. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, I mean, they look. They're a proud club. They're a big club. They're missing quite a few of their, yeah, experienced forwards. We'll call them. Um, I, I, I was also looking at um, Dylan Shield, and this thought came into my head. I was like. From all the bad trades Carlton have made for the past mm. 15 years, one of the very few trades that we've actually won, we weren't even involved in. Yeah. How good is yeah. that? Sometimes it's the trade that you don't make. Yeah, they wanted Walsh or pick one. Yeah. Can you, yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? No, I can't because no one no. would have been that crazy. Surely yeah, not. No, no, no surely that was not. like Wayne Carey saying we should trade pick one for like Tom Bug and Sam Frost. Yeah. Which I don't even what like he was like oh yeah. yeah we should trade for what do you say like we should trade pick one for like five B plus rated players or B rated players like why we've literally yeah. got the best midfielder in the comp or one of it's Ross. it's fascinating what playing for the Giants does because there was that wave of Giants players yeah. that just came back came back to Melbourne and we look at them from afar now outside looking in like right now you look at them and. Big names, Whitfield, Canelio, Kelly, um, Hopper, all these guys. And you're like, oh, you'd love to bring them into your, your Melbourne club. And I wonder if there's a bit of a, a pause on that for now, you know, yeah, or just from, from the standpoint of like overpaying Zach Williams, you know. Yeah. Well, we tried it and we got in Christian Jackson, Reese Palmer, and that was, those were, I think Andrew Phillips was one, Lockie Plowman was one. So, list cloggers, shout out list cloggers, shout out list cloggers. <laughs> I mean, that was they're the definition of like just shit players, like Liam Sumner. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, man. It, and, 
they were the players that we were pinning our future on. Those were the those were the young kids that Wayne Carey was like, oh, you can build our future on if we get rid of people. Yeah, it's a tough one. Blaine Boakhurst. It's a tough one. Oh, Clem Smith. We have so many laughable old names, don't we? Yeah, Matthew Dick as well, playing off yep. halfback. Yep. Blaine Boakhurst. Anyway, I could, I could, we could literally do this for forty. Reel them off, mate. <laughs> Reel them off as a song. Um, and yeah, moving on to the game that happened today. Uh, we spoke about this before we started recording. I think I've just seen the player of the game for the se- player of the season, Heath Chapman, yes. in the it, dying seconds, produces a dare I say it a Wayne Harm esque fist back into play, which led to a win. That was genuinely incredible. I know you didn't. I know you didn't see it, but like that was insane. Yeah. Under pressure as well. It's. It's one of the things that separates good footballers from like really good footballers. I know Heath Chapman's not an elite player, but he just had like you can tell from that play he has something in there that you can build off. It was interesting because he didn't have a very good game. I did miss the very. I can't believe I missed the very <laughs> ending of it, like the most important moment. I watched the whole game apart from the last seven eight minutes. Um, I was tied up, but um, they rate him really highly. And yeah. the fact that he did that after a game where he didn't really have a lot of impact just goes to show. And that's how you build confidence in yeah. those new players, you know? And it was a must-win game as well because I expected yeah. to win against the Crows. They had a big lead. They blew that big lead. They came back and it was that, – that could be a season defining because if they – if Ben Case kicks that goal and, and the Dockers lose, it's back to square one, whereas now they can build off something. Absolutely. You've got to bank man in this season. I, I just I can see it. You've got to bank wins yeah. where you can because whatever's around the corner tomorrow, health and safety protocols and all of that, you just you just don't know. Um yeah. I tip the crows. I'm I'm a little bit a little bit flat at that to be oh, honest. That's that's no good. Yeah. Um speaking of health health and safety protocols, we mentioned mm. it earlier, but Michael Voss and Jack Martin, as well as a couple of other I think it was like coaching department or like backroom staff are now under those protocols for the Blues. Mm. What are you, What were your thoughts on that? And also, does it ruin the integrity of the season? I don't think so. I mean, it is what it is. The rules are the rules. Um, I'm not phased by it, to be honest, from a Carlton point of view. Next man yes, up. Sir. Everyone's doing their job. You know, does it... Do we move to a situation where we look at swapping games to allow for seven-day um, quarantines? The thing is, if you do it now and you can't do it later precedent. in the season, you've got to set the precedent. So the AFL have a serious, you know, question on their hands, yeah. but it seems like they're going to go with the the route of, no, we're staying to the fixture, how it is, as it is, and, and when it yeah. says to play. So it's, it's a tough one. It really is. But... We know it's coming. It's not like it's been a shock to us. We knew that oh, yeah. these, we didn't know exactly how the situations would emerge, but we knew that there are these unknown circumstances that are going to arise. And it's just part of living through the pandemic, part of yeah. part of all of it. Because with the pandemic comes regulations and with regulations comes inconsistencies here and there. And, you know, we've just got to, again, bank wins early, get them on yeah. the board as soon as you can. I think the AFL have gone about it well. Like it's happened, they were on it pretty early, um, and they're not. They're being rigid in terms of what they said. They're sticking to it. We're not rescheduling games. And I think yeah, it sets a precedent, which is like, this is the 
this is the era or this is the time we now live in. Mm. These are the consequences for... I mean, they didn't do anything wrong as far as I know, but this is what happens. You, this this event happens, these are the consequences, and we just move forward from there. I don't, I don't think it, it's too much to worry about, especially from a Carlton perspective. I think we yeah. will be just fine yeah. on game day. I mean, it's an interesting situation because you've got the Collingwood AFLW team where they had 15 players, Yeah, you know. I think that's a, that's a bit home. of a different scenario because it was like half their playing list. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm, what, I'm, what my point is is that we have that situation where 15 players test positive or are put in what? protocols. Carlton, as it stands at the time of filming this right now, yeah. there are no other players that have tested positive and everyone's returned a negative result. Yeah. And I, I guess... It's a question of we have only just recently been boosted as a club. So we had a booster day, I think it was about a month ago at the club. Um, yeah. And so I'm curious, the boosters, we're just putting our faith in the boosters and hoping that they do their, oh, no. they work their magic and, and hopefully it keeps the, the virus away from the players for real. Hopefully yeah. this is, maybe not, I don't think this is going to be the, wor- the worst of it because I think mm. it will come at some stage, especially during the winter. Yeah. But hopefully nothing serious comes out of it. Hopefully it's just they're put in for a week, they come back, and it's all all fine. Hopefully yeah. that's the case for every scenario in the season. Um, hopefully. hopefully. Now, moving on to the rest moments of the season. And so basically what this is is that every week there will be a moment of the round, which we will say, nominate, and then at the end of the season – we hopefully we'll the viewers will vote for the basically the moments of the season throughout each round, mm-hmm. and maybe a buy a little bit of bias in this, but I don't think it is at all. It was Sam Doherty kicking his goal in his return game, unbelievable scenes. Absolutely, yeah, full testament to him, his family, um, the footy club, the way that everyone united around him, and you know that's what makes the Carlton Football Club special. Most footy clubs, it's a family and they all get around their people and they look after them and it's just a great story of perseverance and it's a great story of just true character. Oh, I could go on forever. It it, It, really is. It really is. is. Like, I mean, two ACLs, two cancer scares, he comes back and not only did he kick a goal, he played very well as well. Yeah. It's, It's seriously something which transcends football in terms of he's not a footballer that's done this. He's a person that has mm-hmm. come from this adversity and has aimed for something and has got it no matter what walls have been put in front of him. He's broken through them and just kept going and going. And if that doesn't lift our boys, then fuck, I don't know what will. Because of course, of course it will. He, he's a, some, he's a, he, he is a real-life superhero. Yep. For what he's come through is yep. unbelievable. For sure. For sure. Just to see the crowd up and about like, and yeah. to see him receive the love from oh, yeah. everyone it was know. just so well deserved so much yeah um, I get speechless talking about it it just it, yeah. I just lose you know everything every ability to speak it's just it's it's super yeah. it's a super story for him and, and for footy as well yeah it's a it's a beautiful uh, it's like oh yeah I'm a bit speechless in trying to describe it because I don't think words are I don't think yeah. any words can put into context or justify or try and explain how, how, like what he's done. It is seriously like out of this world, how he's done that. And yeah, full credit to him because 
I, I didn't think personally, I didn't think he'd play footy again, but I guess that shows my character compared to his. Well, yeah, I mean, I just didn't know. You know, it yeah, was so hard to do previews for him for the season. It was so hard to talk about what to expect, if to expect anything. And it was such a difficult topic for me to, yeah, communicate about. But he's here now and whatever. Are there going to be bumps along the way with getting up for games? I don't know. I, I don't know. I've never gone through what he's gone through. I don't think there are many people who have. So, yeah. you know, I guess it's on him and he's shown he's shown a really good start to the season now. Yeah, it was Beautiful to say, really, really mm-hmm. inspirational stuff. Um, and we're going to touch on the last thing. Obviously, we're recording this on Sunday night, so the Gold Coast West Coast game, West Coast game has just started. Yep. Quick, quick prediction, like really brief. I tipped the Suns. I tipped the right. Suns. Yep. I think the uh, the Eagles have really lost the engine room. Um, shout out yep. to Sam Petrovsky, Seaton, who's playing his first game there. <laughs> We'll always have a little soft spot for Samo, whether uh, yeah, you know, tough or not. It just you know, it just didn't work out, and still it love him. Yeah, yeah. It, it is what it is. But I tip, I'm tipping the Suns. They're always good at the start of the year as well. Yeah, I uh, I think you know when this when people watch this, um, if they're watching it on Sunday night, they'll I guess they'll know the result. But I am tipping yeah. the Suns. <laughs> yeah, I, I will agree with you there. I think they'll be too strong for that depleted. Waffle West Coast team, which somehow still beat us last year. But anyway, let's not move on. Let's not talk about that too much. You went there. Um, <laughs> um, that is all for the first episode of The Rest. Terry, thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure to be here, um, mate. It's, uh, it's exciting. Like I said, good times ahead. Yes, it's going to be exciting. So thank you all very much for watching. Leave your thoughts on the round and the actions of footy throughout the weekend in the comments below and go the blues.